0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number Limited Edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Sanjay. You know, we've been working really hard on the next season of Chasing Life. But in the meantime, we decided to dig into the CNN archives to share a documentary on a topic that I've spent a lot of time reporting on over the last 10 years. Medical marijuana. It was back in 2013 when I started exploring the topic in a CNN documentary called Weed. And I have to tell you, it really opened my eyes to the potential benefits of medical marijuana. In fact, I eventually came to realize that before 2013, just being completely candid here... I had been too dismissive of patients whose symptoms had improved on cannabis. I had been too quick to accept the Drug Enforcement Agency's belief that marijuana had no medical benefit. Now, as you listen to this, keep in mind that this hour was first broadcast 10 years ago, 2013. While a lot of laws and attitudes about marijuana use in the United States have changed in the last 10 years, the truth behind the people the truth behind the stories of the medical marijuana movement, that hasn't changed. So join me as I travel around the world and hear some really candid conversations with experts, patients, medical leaders, all of them on the front lines of the medical marijuana debate. You can hear part one now. You can also hear part two next week and coming soon on CNN, my seventh documentary looking at medical marijuana. Our journey begins here, in this small town home, nestled in the mountains, with a family who has never allowed TV cameras in before. And you're going to soon learn why.
2: This is so pretty out here.
1: Yeah. They live in Colorado, one of two states where it's legal to smoke pot medically and recreationally. But here, it's also taboo to residents like Paige Figgy and her husband Matt.
3: I'm sure it was mentioned to us by someone, hey, you should try this. And And I thought, no way. He thought, that's
1: fringe (laughs) stuff. No way, not
3: in a million years, no.
1: But in this area, marijuana is far from fringe.
3: War joints
0: and do you want island sweet skunk?
1: Medical dispensaries are everywhere. Hey, welcome, guys. People are smoking in private clubs and public festivals. But none of this is for Matt. He's a military man, and marijuana would be a career ender. I grew up in Wisconsin in a well-loving family, and I was educated to, like, you know that's a drug. You don't do that. And I never did. But just decades ago, marijuana was a legitimate medication, also called cannabis, prescribed by doctors and dispensed by pharmacies.
0: Raleigh. This is Harry J. Anderson. But
1: that all changed in 1930.
2: A relentless warfare against...
1: Henry Ainslinger, the United States' first drug czar. For him, public enemy number one. You guessed
4: it. Marijuana. This guy saw how he could increase the budget of his uh, department uh, by having this mission, going at the marijuana.
5: You know, saying that there's this drug that the Mexican migrant workers are smoking and it's loco weed and it's going to make them crazy and they're going to rape your women. He got the anti-marijuana message out through news reports. And then
1: came this.
2: It is convinced that he is and incurably insane.
1: The film reefer madness, portraying the users of marijuana as unproductive, crazed.
5: People are still afraid of what pot can do to them.
1: In many ways, uh, to have defined our attitudes now for 70 years. Yeah. Marijuana then became illegal in 1937. And by 1970, it was a Schedule I controlled substance. The government was saying it had no medicinal value and had a high potential for abuse. All reasons why the figgy stayed away from marijuana, until this. And this might be hard for some of you to watch. Uh,
2: It's okay, baby.
1: This is their daughter,
3: Charlotte, having a seizure. We just thought it was just one random febrile seizure
2: nothing to really do, no medications, it's a fluke.
3: Right,
1: A fluke made sense. After all, Charlotte, nicknamed Charlie, was born perfectly healthy, a fraternal twin to Sister Chase. Charlie always had big, big smiles, just happy kids.
3: Easy. Yeah, Yeah.
2: easy, very much so. So it was around three months, uh, you said that when you first
1: noticed that Charlie had a seizure. I was changing her diaper, well, putting a new diaper on from after the bath, and her eyes just started flickering. It led to the first of many trips to the ER.
3: They did the million-dollar workup, the MRI, EEG, spinal tap, you know, they did the whole workup and found nothing and sent us home.
2: No abnormal blood tests, no abnormal scan.
3: And developing normally, too. You know, talking and walking, and the same day as her twin. Nothing was behind yet.
1: By the time she was two, though, the seizures had become constant and started to take their toll
3: on their once happy, joyful little girl. She started to really decline, cognitively, and she was slipping away, and she just wasn't keeping up with her twin. The Figgies
1: finally found an answer. It was awful news. Dravet syndrome. It is severe, intractable epilepsy. The seizures start during the first year of life
3: and are unstoppable, difficult to control, and very damaging severe behavioral problems, attention deficit, hyperactivity, the self-injury, you know, banging her head on the floor and pulling her hair out, and like a possessed child, this isn't your perfect, happy Charlotte.
1: It was a race against time. Many Dravet kids die young, in early childhood. Charlotte was almost three. For the next two years, the Figgies tried everything. Strange diets, acupuncture, and dozens of powerful drugs like Valium, Ativan, Barbitol, But nothing seemed to help. Even worse, some of the medications nearly killed her.
3: After one dose, she stops breathing. And after two doses, her heart will stop.
2: Did you have to do CPR then on her yourself? Yes.
3: I remember when her heart stopped and I had her pulse and I lost her pulse. There was just nothing. The ambulance is on its way.
1: She survived.
3: Mm. You're okay. okay. Mommy's
1: here. But now it was fall of 2011, and Charlotte, was five years old.
3: When things were at their worst, she just sees all night and the kids are sleeping either in my room or next door. They can hear her the seizure scream all night, 50 times a night. And Chase would come in in the morning and just, and this is her twin <laughs> and just hug her and like rub her head and say, I'm, I'm just so glad you survived through the night last night.
1: Matt had been deployed to Afghanistan and the only thing he could do to help was start scouring the internet. And he stumbled onto this video of a child using marijuana.
4: So how's everything going? Jane had four days without a seizure. I'm like, wow, this,
1: having success, on specifically Gervais, this is interesting. It's natural. And while he couldn't ever imagine taking marijuana himself, he was now in the stunning position of recommending it for Charlotte.
0: I was like, we need to do this.
3: And I said, I don't know. Charlie. there you are. Uh-huh.
1: And then... Charlotte's condition got worse. 300 seizures a week, almost two every hour. She was not talking or moving, basically catatonic. As a last resort, doctors wanted to either prescribe a powerful veterinary drug used on epileptic dogs or put Charlotte in a medically induced coma so her brain and body could rest. For Paige, those were not good options. But maybe, just maybe, marijuana now was. But she was about to find out how hard that would be. You're this isn't medicine. go to the
3: pharmacy and yeah. pick up your medicine. There was no protocol.
1: When we come back, what will the figgies do? And what would you do if this were your daughter?
0: This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Assignment
3: with me, Audie Cornish. Celebrities of all kinds are speaking publicly about their therapeutic trips, so to speak. It turns out there is a burgeoning industry ready to serve the new influx of people who find themselves turning away from traditional mental health therapy. The gap between what we know and what we don't about psychedelic therapy. Listen to the assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Is that she's allergic to others? I had resigned myself. I don't think she's going to survive this.
4: We've seen her flatline in the hospital. We've said goodbye.
1: You're listening to Matt and Paige Figgy describe their own daughter. What would you do if this were your child? Charlotte Figgy had an extreme form of epilepsy. Her body was so frail that any seizure could kill her. With no traditional treatment left to try and the clock ticking away, her parents decided to try marijuana. Charlotte was just five years
2: old. You need a card in order mm-hmm. to be able to get the cannabis from a pharmacy. Doctors have to prescribe it.
3: You need two doctors in Colorado uh, to get the card for a a juvenile or a child. It was hard. We were the first young child, and they said no. Everyone said no, 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 no.
0: Certainly her age played a a role in in my hesitance.
1: Dr. Alan Shackelford is a Harvard-trained physician. He's also among a handful of doctors in Colorado who give prescriptions for medical marijuana. From the moment Charlotte entered his office, he knew she was in trouble. While he was just examining
0: her, she had two seizures. She'd failed everything. Uh, There were no more options for her. Everything had been tried, except cannabis.
1: Here's how scientists think it might work. Marijuana is made up of two ingredients, THC, that's the psychoactive part that makes you high, and CBD, also called cannabidiol. It's the CBD that scientists think modulates electrical and chemical activity to help quiet the excessive activity in the brain that causes seizures. I've been telling my patients to cook. Dr. Julie Holland is the editor of The Pot Book, A Complete Guide to Cannabis.
5: For a long time, the work on cannabis and epilepsy was sort of inconclusive. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. They couldn't quite figure it out. And it's only when they really started separating THC from CBD that they saw, you know, definitively, yes, CBD seems to really stop seizures.
1: So the figgies needed to find something that was rare a strain of marijuana that was low in THC. Of course, they didn't want Charlotte getting stoned, but also high in CBD to treat her seizures. And that wouldn't be easy. Dispensaries and growers, they make their money off strains that are high in THC. I'm Joel. I'm Josh. No one knows that better than the Stanley brothers. Their family business is pot. And if you look at these clean-cut guys and what you see surprises
4: you, don't worry. They've heard it all before. When we round the corner, they're like, oh, wait a second, you know, did you finish high school? (laughs) They all
1: not only finished high school, but also college, and in some cases, graduate school. Now, they are some of Colorado's biggest growers and dispensary owners. They produce up to 600 pounds of medical marijuana a year. And much of that marijuana is high in THC. But here, On their remote farm at this undisclosed location in the mountains...
4: It takes a lot of plants. We're we're allowed to grow six per patient.
1: They have been growing something different, something they call revolutionary. So Greenhouse One. Greenhouse
4: One, yes. Welcome to it.
1: Welcome to paradise. Behind closed doors and under tight security, we enter what the Stanleys call the Garden of Eden.
4: There's nothing like this in the world. This plant's 21% CBD and less than 1% THC. It took years of crossbreeding plants to get to this point. Instead of breeding up the THC, we've bred down the THC and bred up the CBD. And people said, you're crazy. You know, who's going to smoke that? So why grow it then? Well, the Stanleys also believed in CBD's potential
1: to treat many diseases. And they had seen it change lives before. Always have two stra- I Meet 19-year-old Chaz Moore. He uses many different strains of marijuana, many of them high in CBD, to treat his rare disorder of the diaphragms. My abs will, like, lock up. That's why he's talking this way, almost speaking in hiccups, like he can't catch his breath. It's called myoclonus diaphragmatic flutter.
2: This fluttering here, it's annoying, but it becomes painful yeah. uh, pretty quickly, I imagine. yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, after, like, 15, 20 minutes is where I can, like, start to really feel it. He's about to show me how the marijuana works. He's been convulsing now for seven minutes.
2: How quickly do you expect this to work? Within, like,
1: the first five minutes.
2: And I'm done. Like... That's it? That's it. It was
1: actually less than a minute. Depending on the attack in the day, like, it'll work within the first couple hits. Hear how his voice is completely different. That attack lasted eight minutes. But some have lasted much longer and happen as often as 40 times a day. And like Charlotte, he had tried so many things before. By 16, Chaz was taking these powerful, addictive, potentially deadly narcotics and muscle relaxants daily, like Valium and morphine. It would be safe to say that that marijuana, what you have in your hand there,
2: is better than all those pills for you in terms of treating what's yeah, going on? Yeah, I wouldn't, I'm wouldn't. i not
1: zombified. I've had 16, 17 attacks today, and I'm still sitting up talking to you. My first attack on all these, I'd be in the hospital. I'm a firm
2: believer that marijuana has actually saved my son's life. Jazz's uh, father, Sean. His uh, quality of life now is... 1,000 times better than what it was when he was on the pharmaceuticals.
1: A quality of life that Paige Figgy desperately wanted for her daughter Charlotte. But she still had one hurdle to cross, convincing dispensary owners like the Stanleys to sell marijuana to a 5-year-old little girl.
4: When Charlotte's mother called my brother Joel, the brothers had a meeting we said, Tell us about this patient. She's 5 years old, he said. And we said, No, we can't do that. Why? It was the fear of the unknown.
1: Charlotte was the youngest patient at the time, wanting marijuana. Would it be too much for her? Or would it change her life forever? We'll find that out later. But first, learn more about what marijuana does to your kid's brain, and yours as well.
4: That's what I'm talking about. Y'all smoking or what? If you
0: smoking weed, we make some noise.
1: April 20th, Denver, Colorado. Tens of thousands from around the country and the world lighting up legally.
4: Happy cannabis crop y'all.
1: For some, it's a lifestyle. For others, it's a lifeline.
5: We're working with the Lupus Foundation and Rheumatoid Arthritis.
1: But for all of them, I wonder, what was it doing to their brains? Some of my patients call me pot doc. Your patients call you pot doc? Well, they
0: never meet anybody who's as interested in hearing about their marijuana use as I am.
1: Dr. Stacy Gruber is serious about pot. I want you to name the color and not to read it. Okay. I met her in her labs at McLean Hospital near Boston. She's using high-tech imaging to see what happens in the brain
0: when you smoke. When you first smoke, that is, you know, you light up a joint, a spliff, a blunt, receptors, which are throughout the brain, um, respond. And these areas of the brain are responsible for things like pleasure, memory, learning, sensation, sense of time and space coordination movement appetite and other drives shall we say so it's sort of um, an all-over impact right
2: so reward pleasure hunger um you you have this this overall feeling of of well-being they say that all sounds
1: pretty good (laughs) right it does sound pretty good and it's not just feeling good but there's this phenomenon reported by many smokers over the years, especially famous artists, the ability to be more creative.
0: When you feel that high, there's sort of a release of dopamine. And your brain sort of has the ability now to perceive things slightly differently from the way you might have if you hadn't been smoking pot. What you really see is this reduction in inhib- inhibitory function.
1: Uh, welcome, Dr. Goof. pretty spectacular. Less inhibition. That's something that painter Amir says helps him be more creative. A successful artist, his canvases sell for up to $25,000.
0: It's my favorite way to work.
1: Using marijuana. Yeah. He's been painting for 14 years, smoking for even longer. He says it makes him feel more relaxed, but most importantly for him, he says it makes him less critical of his own work.
2: Stop worrying so much about this and that, and just sort of looking and being as, as present as possible.
1: Amir does caution that it's a delicate
5: balance for him.
0: It would make me very apprehensive, as maybe a little paranoid, just too analytical.
5: You can get paranoid, you can have disorganized thinking, you get disoriented. Um, it can be uncomfortable. It can lead to panic attacks or anxiety attacks in people.
2: How do you know when you've done too much? Uh,
0: simple tasks become very frustrating, like mixing paint, and then just sort of get into this state of, Duh, you know. <laughs> Good
1: nail. And why that happens is exactly what Columbia University neuroscientist Carl Hart is investigating.
4: Exhale.
1: Research subjects in his lab smoke marijuana and then take a variety of cognitive tests.
4: The effects will be disruption in memory, disruptions in inhibitory control, they will become slower at cognitive functioning, a wide range of things. These effects are temporary, but they're pretty pronounced and they are clear.
1: And it's slowly becoming clear to scientists what part of the brain is most affected.
4: It's the prefrontal cortex. It's very important for planning, uh, thinking, coordinating your behaviors. There are tons of marijuana receptors in this region. And we think that marijuana, particularly in the novice, can disrupt all of those uh, behaviors.
1: An impairment that heart cautions could be dangerous, especially when
4: driving. You may prematurely hit your brakes. You may prematurely hit the gas pedal, a wide range of things. You may uh, make a turn without looking more carefully.
1: Look at this experiment done by CNN affiliate K.I.R.O. in Washington State. Subjects smoked marijuana and then drove. One was a daily medical marijuana smoker (coughs) and another an infrequent weekend smoker. Relaxed and buzzed. The more the novice user smoked, the more trouble behind the wheel.
3: Watch yourself. Watch yourself.
1: But interestingly, the habitual smoker didn't have as much trouble. I wouldn't pull her off the road, no. No, Not yet. And that's something I witnessed firsthand driving around with 19-year-old Chaz Moore. The day that I spent with him, he had been smoking all day long. Do you feel impaired
4: at all? No, I don't. I feel normal. turns out when you test people who have a lot of experience with cannabis, you don't see many disruptions. But if you test people who have sort of a limited history with cannabis, you can see some clear, pronounced disruptions. Of course, no one
1: thinks that driving when using marijuana is a good idea. But what scientists can't answer is if there is a safe legal limit and if people who use marijuana daily as a medicine should be able to drive. How impaired are they? What is more clear, though, is the effect of marijuana on the young brain. What
0: we see is a very big difference in people who begin to smoke prior to the age of 16 and those who smoke after age 16, what we call early versus later onset. Gruber's brain scans show
1: that the white matter, those are the highways that help the brain communicate from one point to another, are impaired in those who start smoking early. Maybe there's underlying white matter connectivity differences. That, that's, your, that's your concern, it sounds like,
2: that the, those highways, those white matter highways are just more disrupted in people who start smoking early.
4: That's, that's
1: what we see. Perhaps not surprising, given what we know about the young developing brain.
5: That's a very delicate time in brain development, and that's not a good time to be taking any drugs.
1: Preliminary research shows that early onset smokers are slower at tasks, have lower IQs later in life, higher risk of strokes, and increased incidence of psychotic disorders. And while these studies are not conclusive, some scientists are still concerned, because in 2012, 35% of high school seniors lit up. And that could mean a generation of kids with damaged brains. And many fear something else. I never really told myself I need help. A generation of marijuana addicts. Now next week, you're going to hear part two of this CNN special, where I explore the truth and the science behind what's being called a growing epidemic. And later, Charlotte's story: Charlotte, the first and the youngest child to try marijuana.